Thank you for joining the Georgia Chamber podcast. For 105 years, we have been the leading voice of business in the state of Georgia. Through these podcasts, we want to help you better understand the issues facing our state and how your business can grow and prosper. Thanks for joining us. To learn more, go to www.gachamber.com. Now, I'm happy to turn it over to our good friend, Ashley Bell. For those of you that don't know, Ashley, he is from Georgia. Uh, he lives here. Uh, he lives, works, plays, and prays here. And we couldn't be uh, happier to have him in this important role um, during this, this crisis. And so, Ashley, uh, as you can imagine, we've had so many calls, uh, both with your team, about how to help our businesses and our members around the state be prepared. And uh, I know we were going to do this last week, but you guys needed time to figure out exactly what was in that Senate bill and how you're going to implement it. Right. So we're excited to hear from you today a little bit more about where we are and advice that you have for our members. So again, thank you for your service and we look forward to, to hearing your message this afternoon. Well, Chris, I appreciate you having me with you today and, and to all of our friends out there uh, who are small business owners, uh, we're praying for you. Uh, we're doing everything we can at the federal, state, and local level to work together to get the resources needed because we all know how important it is. And Chris, thank you so much for putting this call together. As Senator Purdue said, this is uh, where you get your value out of your chamber membership. And as someone who's been a member of a chamber, you know, since I started my first business with the Greater Hall Chamber at 22, um, your service is needed. And at these times, more critical than ever. So thank you for doing this. I want to start by saying that the Small Business Administration is in a very unique position. And what we're gonna to talk to you about today is more than we've ever done before uh, for a very critical reason. And that's because small businesses are the engine of our economy. Over 98% of all businesses are small in this country. Half of America's workforce works for small businesses. So we have to get this right. And as Senator Perdue said, the most critical time is right now. We know that over half of our businesses have zero to three months of working capital. And with this coronavirus hitting all of us in such a devastating way, it's critical more than ever to make sure this, these resources get out. So I wanna start with talking about the emergency side of this. We would not be able to have this conversation about the emergency loans if Georgia had not been declared a disaster at such a rapid record pace. That wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for the leadership of Governor Brian Kemp, working with our offices and chambers from around this state to find every business in every county that was hit by this virus and submit an application to DC. That allowed Georgia to have some of the first businesses being rolled out this past weekend that it actually received cash in hand from this, uh, the, the uh, disaster loan process. So there are actually businesses right now in Georgia receiving this assistance thanks to the early reaction and collaboration of Brian Kemp in our offices and all of our friends at the chamber. So that disaster loan, I want to start there because it's different. That disaster loan is a loan directly from SBA. That's not something that you would call your lender for. The disaster loan is directly given by the Small Business Administration. That loan is up to $2 million. And a very important component of that since the signing of this bill, which we had to push back our call till today, is that $10,000 of emergency relief is given out uh, per business if they can show they're having employees and that they have debts and have been affected by the virus. That's $10,000 within 72 hours of applying. That is a very critical amount of money that small businesses need right now. So if you want to apply for this loan, you go to sba.gov and you click on the disaster button and then you can apply for up to $10,000 of relief 
that you can receive in 72 hours. So this is money much needed to make sure that you can make your payroll and make sure that you can go forward um, and, and make sure that you receive that assistance. So the $2 million that is available to you, that's at a fixed rate of 3.75. But what's also different for SBA during this disaster is the fact that we're also giving loans to nonprofits, non-religious nonprofits on this side of the equation. So that means that if you're a nonprofit uh, of any sort, if you're a chamber, if you're uh, a, a museum, if you're a tourist attraction that's connected to a historical site, but you're still a nonprofit, you can receive a loan of up to 2.75. And that's important for your members as well. So all that can be done through sba.gov. Now, I wanna switch over to the payroll protection side that we talked about somewhat earlier with Senator Perdue. So the payroll protection side is where we're extending and expanding existing SBA loan programs. So this is where our 7A loan and our express loans have been ramped up and beefed up so that you can get loans directly from your local lender. Your local lender who currently may have your SBA loan or a lender who does service SBA loans, you will be able to go to them and get a loan up to $10 million uh, and that will be uh, either $10 million or a lesser amount, which is 2.5 times your, your payroll for a month. So whichever amount of that is lower is what you can get a max out loan for. So what this is important because the Senator mentioned that some of this is forgivable. And I want to talk about exactly what part of that is forgivable. The part of that is forgivable is the amount that you're spending on payroll, insurance premiums, your rent, interest on mortgage, and utility bills. That multiplier times 2.5 is the amount of your loan that you can get. Now, if you're going to keep your employees hired and keep them on the payroll until the end of June, at the end of June, working directly with your lender, it can be assessed that you did comply and you allowed your employees to maintain your payroll. So therefore, that portion of the loan would be forgiven. The payroll, including the utilities and, and, and the calculus that, is, that made that loan available for you. But that is a critical point because what we're doing is getting the decisions out of D.C., and we're getting them to local lenders. Local lenders do not have to call DC or SBA to authorize these loans. They do not have to get permission from SBA to authorize these loans. And we're not holding them accountable if they mess up on any eligibility issues. They're able to get the money out of the door as soon as they feel comfortable. The SOPs for this, and this is something that was mentioned a little earlier about when's the money gonna be able to flow. And I'm sure all our bankers out there are waiting for this guidance. We still anticipate that the end of this week, the end of Friday this week, that the banks will have the necessary standard operating procedures and guidelines so that they can begin to issue these loans out immediately at their choosing. And so this is where we'll get started immediately getting this capital back into your hands so you can keep your employees. And Chris, let's, let's answer some more specific questions that may be pertaining to individual situations and for the marketplace. Sure. Let me ask you a couple and then we're going to flip it over to, to Joe and let him kind of give us perspective from the banks. So, Ashley, you made an interesting point about you. the goal here is to keep the employee connected to the business. If you Absolutely. can do that through the end of June, then you can have that, that um, payroll protection. So a couple of questions from our members. One has already had to lay off some employees. And the question is, can I get them on and bring those employees back and qualify? Or, or since they've already been separated, does that pose a problem? That's a great question. February 15th is a critical date as far as we're concerned. If you, did, if you have let go of your employees after February 15th and you want to go back and hire them and make that, make that employee eligible for this calculus, 
you can. You can go back and hire those employees and you can make them a part of your calculus to get your loan amount uh, up to an amount that can allow them to be on your payroll through, Feb through uh, June 30th. So if you can't hire them back, we urge you to do that. That relationship between you and your, your employees is so critical. We want to make sure that we're doing everything possible to get them back on payroll because we know what that means to your business, but also what it means to the economy as a whole. Right. So one more, and then Joe, get ready. I'm coming to you next. Um, when they're filling, when businesses are filling out the information for the disaster loan, all or the or some of the other products that you've talked about, do they include 1099 contractors in that calculus? So is that how do you count a 1099 in that process? Well, this process is going to be counting those folks who are actually on payroll. So understand okay. that if you are a if you are a 1099 uh, person, then you basically have your own business. So they should be able to apply like every other business when it comes to these programs. So if, you have a, if you're on payroll and taxes are being taken out, those are the employees we're counting. If you receive a 1099, you're an independent contractor, you technically have your own business, and all of these programs are available to you as a sole proprietor or um, a small business owner as well. Okay. Joe, Alada, I'm gonna ask uh, Ashley one more question. What does the SBA consider to be a reasonable fee according to its policy for business owners choosing to use preparer? So a lot of people use a preparer because they don't have the resources to fill out these loan docs. Um, what, what is a quote unquote reasonable fee? These, uh, that exact amount you can find on our website at sba.gov, but let me tell you what we posted so far. So far, we've looked at the amount of $2,500 as being a max amount that we're allowing people to charge as far as to prepare for these loans. And if you want to go over that, you're going to have to itemize that bill and show people exactly what you're doing that would allow that expense to go beyond that threshold. But there's flexibility there, but we're updating those policies as we speak and make sure you're stay tuned to our SBA.gov to see how those, that amount may change. All right, great. So let's shift over. Uh, Joe Shuford is with Synovus Bank and they've been a great partner. We've heard from them. Literally, as soon as this hit, Synovus, we're, we're there for you. We're a bank for you. How do we help you? And Joe's been fantastic. So Joe, if you can, I'll hopefully pull you up now. Give us your perspective on what you're working on at the, at the, from the bank's perspective right now. Sure. Thank you, Chris. And, and first of all, I'm honored to be a part of this panel with these two gentlemen that have already presented and humbled to be asked to represent the financial industry on this call. Um, one of the first uh, moments that this all was coming down, I heard from one of Ashley's counterparts in, in Arkansas. He said, we are asking the bank to hold the line for our small businesses and our communities. And that's exactly what all lenders are trying to do. I wanna preface my comments with, with just a couple of things. One, um, I've never seen the financial industry band together in this fight, fight like we are right now, assisting our clients to make sure that we provide their needs. And I hope this call will prepare you for conversations with your lending institution in the days and weeks to come. And second, I'm a chamber member, I'm a small business owner, and I can appreciate the challenges that you are seeing in your small businesses and your communities right now. Synovus is a preferred lender with the SBA um, that Senator Purdue mentioned, but do reach out to your financial institution to see if they are gonna participate. We have heard from all over our five state footprint that some banks have made a decision not to participate and that they are not equipped to do so. So I would encourage you to make sure you reach out to your lending institution and uh, they're gonna be able to help you out with this. 
In between all the conference calls this week and reading legislation, I've had conversations with customers all over our footprint discussing their options. And it struck me about that this Paychecks Pro Protection Program, while it's a fantastic immediate funding option for the payroll and other covered costs, it may not meet the long-term needs that small businesses to make it through the summer if the social distancing guidelines remain in place. And so it's very apparent in my conversations that all the clients I spoke to would need some sort of additional funding because of the restriction on the maximum loan amount with the paychecks loan that um, Mr. Bell just spoke to. The P3 loan is great. There's no SBA guarantee fee. There's no personal guarantee. There's no collateral. The loan payment is deferred for up to one year and it can be forgiven. There's nonprofits. And I would ask um, Mr. Bell if it's, it's unclear in the legislation if religious organizations are included in that and are waiting on guidance now. And you may want to go ahead and address that right now, Mr. Bell. Uh, I'll wait till you're done. Go ahead and we, we okay. can address it. All right. Participation fee for lenders um, is a part of this as well. And, and Mr. Bell spoke to the agent fees. But as I prepared our, my, my bankers for the ongoing conversation and those to come, I felt that it would be important for them to understand the details of both SBA loan offerings, the economic injury disaster loan and the paycheck loan. And the same is true for you as leaders in your communities and small business owners. So if you're familiar with the economic injury disaster loan, you know that historically it doesn't provide all the same perks that care legislation also offers the economic injury disaster loan program in some significant ways. So I think the two products used collectively ensure that small business in our community will remain healthy following this crisis. And so we prepared a comparison chart that I sent to Chris and Lisa, and it was attached to the invite for this call. It will help you um, understand what the funding options are. The P3 loan, as I'll call it, the loan size is determined by the average monthly payroll for the preceding 12 months multiplied by two and a half. And there, there are different set of time frames for seasonal businesses and new businesses. So if you're in the ag industry and you, your average payroll may um, be lower than what it would be during this time, the administration took that into consideration. So um, it's seasonal businesses do have a separate set of guidelines in calculating that average. Also, the outstanding balance of any emergency loan made since January the 31st is going to be rolled into this program but the, only the amount spent on the covered costs are forgivable. Um, and there's also a cap when calculating the average monthly payroll, where if someone on the payroll makes in excess of $100,000, only their first 100,000 is considered eligible payroll costs, and the amount over $100,000 is excluded from the calculation of the maximum loan amount. But the funds can be used for other things other than payroll, such as rent, utilities, interest on mortgages, and interest on other debts incurred uh, prior to February 15th, 20. Everyone hearing that the loan balance will be forgiven, which is true, but there are certain qualifiers that will reduce the amount forgiven. There's a formula based on the number of full-time equivalent employees to the um, currently to those that were at this time last year and a reduction if the employer reduced the payroll by more than 25%. So the challenge is the loan amount does not take all the allowable use of proceeds into consideration it may not provide you enough working capital for expenses of clients that may be impacted beyond June the 30th. The economic injury disaster loan allows for all eligible covered costs under the P3 program, payment of fixed debts, accounts payable, other bills that can't be paid because of the disaster's impact, 
There's no limitation on payroll. And the term is, as Ashley uh, Bell just mentioned, is 3.75% fixed for 30 years and no collateral on loan amounts up to $25,000. There's no guarantee fee and these payments too are deferred for one year. The enhancement from the legislation uh, was the $10,000 grant, but it also increased the amount um, that does not require personal guarantee. So loans under $200,000 under the economic injury loan do not require personal to guarantee now. So the P3 program will be a fixed source of funds and the economic injury disaster loan may take a little bit longer. One bank put out a timeline um, earlier this week. I'm not willing to do that for the EIDL program because it, frankly, it's out of the bank's control and the, uh, the SBA handles that. But I think it's reasonable to expect that it will take um, a few weeks longer to be completed than the P3 program. So as we consult our borrowers and small businesses in our communities, um, please let them know that the P3 program may not be the silver bullet that gets them all the way over the hump. The answer to the remaining funding needs may be an EIDL loan or some conventional product business assets or an SBA express line. And lenders and loan agents don't need to thinking about or, or do need to be thinking about the longevity of our clients and how they're going to be healthy three to four months from now. Um, the disaster loans are directly through the SBA's disaster assistance website and those P3 loans, um, you would need to reach out to your institution in order to get them to help you through that process. Um, and with that, I'll, I'll turn it back over to you. So Joe, thanks so much. A <clears throat> uh, couple quick questions for you. I know we talked about the disaster loans have a 3.65% interest rate, either Joe for you or for Ashley. What's gonna be the interest rate for those, those P3 loans right now? Do you have yeah. any idea on those, depending on the amount that you borrow and the institution that you're borrowing from? No, so the administration set that rate. Guy in the legislation, we're waiting on the final guidance from the SBA, but those rates would be fixed at 4% for 10 years. And the economic injury disaster loan is 3.75% for 30. For 30 years. Okay, great. Um, Ashley, a couple questions back for you. Um, are, we've got quite a few companies out there that have asked, that told us that they're seasonal businesses. So the question is, are seasonal businesses covered under either the P3 or the EIDL, and then how do you actually calculate their loan needs if that, you know, if the last couple of months aren't indicative of what their business model is? Right, so what we're gonna look at is the time of February of 2019 to June 30th of, of 2019. So looking at that window and what their, what their particular uh, payroll needs were during that time, and if for whatever reason they were not in business at all between February and June of 2019. We're gonna look at January 1 of 2020 up until the end of February of 2020. So they have to have some payroll or something between those two windows to give us some idea of what, uh, what their payroll would be. Okay, that, that's fantastic, thank you. Again, on the, um, another question from similar um, focus. So this company's already got, and they were one of those companies that went quickly and had and got the disaster loan already. And right. So now their question is, can they roll that into the payroll protection loan? Can those, is there any way to connect those two loans or are they going to lose? There, no, there is. There, there is. They can get a, a loan through a private bank and then that will just be rolled on top of the, the, the 3P loan. So 
how long that takes, as long as it takes with your private bank once that program's up and running. But and, and just to, you know, here's an interesting point. You know, I talked to a lot of business owners. The disaster loan is an option for a lot of people um, who, who just never had an opportunity to get a working capital loan at 3.75 for 30 years. So a lot of people are looking at this and saying, you know, is this an option for me as well as a, as a 3P loan? And I say they need to look at it. One, because uh, very rarely do you see an opportunity for an interest rate like this to be amortized over 30 years for a working capital loan. But I also think when you look at the 3P loan, you have to sit down with your financial advisor, with your accountant and say, look, how do I marry both of these opportunities? You can do both, but you cannot do both of them for the same thing, which means if you're going to choose to do payroll for the payroll protection plan, you can't use the disaster loan to do payroll as well. So they can work together. They just can't duplicate what the purpose of the loans are for. Okay, that's that's great. Uh, you know, Joe, I think both of you guys mentioned this idea of the of churches, and actually, we've had communication oh, yeah. with you and your team as well. On um, there's some confusion. The disaster loans. We appreciate the fact that those are available to nonprofits, including 501c6 organizations, which lots of our local chambers are, uh, as well as trade associations. The new bill, though, with the payroll protection, it references nonprofits, but then earlier in the bill, it actually specifically says 501c3 and 501c7 specifically, and it leaves out C6s, C4s, and other organizations. Correct. So I'm curious about your perspective on A, the churches, and then B, what do we say to 501c6 um, and similar type organizations? So, so I want to say, you know, you're right. Chambers are eligible to get the disaster loans, and I know several have uh, applied for the disaster assistance. Uh, under the stimulus package, if you are a minority serving chamber like the Georgia Hispanic Chamber or, or, under, uh, or any minority serving chamber, you can apply directly through the MBDA at Commerce for uh, a grant that can help do assistance to help people in your community learn how to uh, navigate these troubled waters right now. So that's $10 million have been set aside at MBDA for minority serving chambers to apply for, and that's live right now. Now, when it comes to churches, churches are 501c3s, and if they if they are 501c3, they are eligible for the payroll protection loan in a limited circumstance. And I'll tell you what that limited circumstance would be. That limited circumstance means that they are protecting people on their payroll and expenses that are secular. So if your church has a daycare, they have a food pantry, they have a ministry that works with addiction or works with veterans, any of those services that the public could walk into your church and be a part of would be allowable to be considered under the payroll protection program. Okay, that's fantastic. Thank you. Um, Joe, any other follow-up thoughts on any of those? Anything else you want to add here before we start to wrap things up? No, sir, I can. Again, thank you for allowing uh, me to be a part of the panel. And I'm, I'm glad to answer any questions that anyone may have following this. Well, Joe, thank you and, and all of your banking uh, colleagues around the state. Uh, Ashley, thank you for your team. Again, for both of you, any information that you have, you can push to us and we'll push out to our 50,000 members, our local chamber partners around the state and others, uh, as well as getting it posted on our resource. We'll continue to check in and work with you guys. For those of you on the call, I know a lot of you have questions on Department of Labor issues. I want to remind you that we have a call on Thursday with Commissioner Mark Butler at the Department of Labor, and then we're scheduling calls for next week as well. Uh, and then we'll also soon be starting some webinars so you can get some more in-depth, smaller group conversations going with feedback 
from our different banking partners, SBA and others as we move through the next several weeks of this. But again, we appreciate all of you that were on the call, Senator Joe and Ashley for what you do. I thank you to all of our members that joined the call today and we will continue to pray uh, for you uh, and pray for our state. So thank you for everyone. Uh, have a great day. Thanks, Chris. Thank you for your leadership. Sir.